read a very familiar story and about the Good Samaritan. How many have heard that story before about the Good Samaritan? You maybe even haven't heard the story, but you've heard the word, the Good Samaritan. Okay, And we're going to start off in verse 25. And I want to kind of go over this a little bit this morning and kind of just share uh, some thoughts on it. Let's start in Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal, in, eternal life? Now, that's a good question. Amen. How many want to know the answer to that? So he says, and by the way, lawyer in this text is not the lawyer that we have today. Not someone who defends someone in a court of justice. Lawyer here in the scriptures is a person very well versed in understanding the Old Testament. Okay, that is not our type of lawyer. This is a person who knows the Old Testament. This is a Pharisee, a scribe, a Sadducee. This is someone who knows every knows the law, knows the word, knows the Torah, and they're coming to ask Jesus this question. And we know that they're always trying to trap Jesus. They're always trying to trap the Lord in certain things, especially about the law. And so they, he asked this question, uh, what is, it, he, said, he says, what do I have to do to eternal life? Now this is what's cool about Jesus. Jesus always answers a question with a question, right? That's a great way to answer a question to somebody, you know. They ask a question, he says, well, what, it, what is written in the law? So he says, he knows this man knows the law. So he says, what's written in the law? And what is your reading of it? What do you understand of it? What is your take on it? And so the man answers in verse 27 and says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says in verse 28, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Okay? Now, so here's a simple answer. Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit life, eternal life? Jesus says, what does the law say? What do you interpret? The man says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Gives an answer. Jesus says, you've answered well. And in Jesus' thinking, we're done. Go do it. Right? Just go do what we just talked about. Go love your neighbor. But the man wasn't done. Because he did what we try to do as human beings. And he says, I've got to justify myself in this because he probably wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. What, what does that mean? That means he knew the answer up here. How many know people like that? I know the answer up here. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't usually do it. Right? And we talked about the last couple weeks. we got to get to where we get from what we know we're supposed to do to doing it. Right? And, that, and that's the part about evangelism and sharing our faith and, 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 and actually going and doing this. And this is why we have these opportunities to try to share our faith. Because I believe in my heart all of us want to share our faith. Inside of us there's a burning desire to share our faith if we're saved. Because I said that the other day, I, I, you can't be saved and not have the compassion for the lost and not care about people that are dying. And so we have that desire. This man had the desire, uh, but, and he had a head knowledge, and he goes, I know what I need to do, but Jesus just hit me, and this is what Jesus does. Jesus hit him right where he was. He hit him right where he was, right? Just like with the rich young ruler. When he was talking to that rich young ruler, he knew that rich young ruler liked dinero. He liked money. And so he says, I'm going to, this man is asking me what I need to do to inherit life. And Jesus says, I'm going to go exactly where, I'm going to go right into his backyard. 
He loves money. And so I'm going to ask him to give me all his money. Now, for some people, they don't love money. For some people, it could be something else. Jesus is going to come into your life. He's going to ask you for whatever it is you love more than him. He's going to say, I want that. And that's where a lot of people stay. A lot of people stay in the want place. A lot of st- people don't ever do anything for God because they're in the want place. This is what I want God to do. This is what I think God's going to do. And God says, yes, I want you to do something for me, but I need you to give me that piece of your heart that you haven't released to me yet. I want everything you have. And the most thing I want is the thing you least want to give up. What does the Bible say when he says, take up your cross and what? Follow me. But what does he say before he's asked to follow? Deny yourself. Deny yourself, meaning I've got to say to the Lord, this is something I really care about, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going to put it to the side. It's yours. You can have it. And then God does something amazing with my life. So he says, verse 29, wanting to justify himself, he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Good question. Tricky religious question. Who is my neighbor? And, And Jesus answered and gives this parable. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 30, verse 31. Now, by chance, how many know nothing happens by chance? Amen. By chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he, he passed by on the other side, right? That, that's, that's what happens a lot of times. We see a need, and, and we go, man, if I keep going this way, I'm going to have to interact with this person. Let me go left and go to the other side of the road. I don't want to deal with this right now. And he does that. Likewise, verse 32, a Levite, when he had arrived at, at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain man... Sorry, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, and here's the key, church, he had what? Compassion. I need more compassion. You need more compassion. We need more compassion. Amen? None of us ever walk in the fullness of the compassion that we need. We need to ask God every day, Lord, give me more compassion. Help me care more about other people. Am I talking to somebody here? Amen. Am I talking to real people here? We're selfish people. I cannot say that enough. We are selfish people. In our nature, we're selfish. We, we, we want, we need, we desire. And we have to get to a place where we wake up in the morning and we say, God, take away my selfish desires. Take away my needs this morning. And, I, and I'm just going to put you first. And I'm going to put others first. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I believe there's some people in here who have gotten this revelation in their their life. When you begin to put other people first, when you begin to care about other people, when you begin to have the compassion of the Lord, when you begin to share your faith and think about the things of the kingdom of God, has you don't have to answer the question, but I believe you've probably found, I have found, that God takes care of me. He takes care of my needs. 
I have always seen over the years that when I'm focused on the things of God, that's when God most takes care, mostly takes care of me. More than any other time, if I begin to get into a selfish mode where I'm focused on me and I'm focused on what I need and I'm focused on what I want and the desires that I have, I begin to see a lack of flow of blessing of God in my life. But when I get back to the gospel, when I get back to compassion, when I get back to praying for the lost and trying to do something for God, all of a sudden I begin to see a flow again. I begin to see miracles and blessings. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can. You can this morning. You can get to that place where there's a flow of blessings in your life. So this man had compassion. Now right before we move on in this story, here's the interesting thing. We see a man that's beaten badly and robbed and stolen everything from him. And then we see three different types of people. We see a certain person who is a priest. This is, this is a, uh, a religious leader. And, and some, how many know that leaders need to lead? Amen. And so this religious leader was too busy that day. We don't know his circumstances. Maybe he had a good excuse. But the bottom line is he saw the need and he didn't feel it and he walked on. Then a Levite came who was another religious person who's, who was spiritual royalty, so to speak, coming from the tribe of Levi. And these people were very devout Jews. They, they, were, they were godly people and he was busy. The third person that came along was the Samaritan. The Samaritan was a worldly person. The Samaritan was a person that was looked down on by the Jews. The the Samaritan was a person who was what they would call a half-breed. He was half-Jew and half-Gentile. He would, serve, he, would, he would worship God and he would worship idols. He, was, he, was, he would just do whatever everybody else was doing. And the people hated them because they were mixed in and, bre- and breeded in with everybody and did what everybody else did. They were idolatrous and they were kind of isolated from the community and away from everybody else. And, and this man was moved by compassion and he said, I'm going to fill this man's need. I'm going to do something. Nobody else is doing it. Here's the thing. We need to start saying, I'm going to do it if nobody else does it. Can I get a better amen? I'm going to do it if nobody else does it. I'm, 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 I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. But every time I'm challenging you, I'm challenging myself. Amen. We're challenging each other to say, if nobody else does it, I'm going to do it. Amen. Now, just real quick, at this moment of the message, I want you to take your right elbow and I want you to just nudge the person next to you. If you have someone on your right, just nudge them real quick and say, wake up. I know that, la- that one hour less killed you last night and I can tell. Now nudge that person on your left. If you don't have anybody, just, just move that elbow a little bit. Come on, help me out. We gotta wake up here. Some of y'all, some of y'all are looking at me like some of y'all are looking at me with the back of your eyelids. <laughs> I know you I know you just want to see what they look like. Amen. Amen. I know, I know that one hour is horrible. It's amazing what one hour can do. I remember going back to the fall, how amazing that is that one hour felt like a day. It's amazing what that one hour did. We came in here vibrant and rested, and now we take an hour away from us. I want to go back to Arizona. Arizona doesn't change time. Amen. It's better. Amen. But we're here. You made it. Now just wake up. Amen. God, give them a jolt of, of jolt. There was a soft drink called jolt when I was growing up. About 100, 100, 100 grams of calorie, uh, sugar in it, and, and I think it killed some people. It was really dangerous. didn't last very long. Amen. So... So here we are seeing the need. I, I want us to think about that not just this month, but every day of our lives. 
We need to see a need and fill it. Now, how many know this morning we can't do everything? We can't do everything. I want to give you something else out of experience from my life personally. At a place in my life, I tried to do everything. I tried to do everything. I, I, I just wanted to win the whole world. I wanted to meet every need. I wanted to feed every person. I wanted to clothe every person. I just, I, I would get frustrated because I couldn't do it all. And I began to learn from the Lord. And he gave me this simple, simple, simple truth. He said, stop trying to do everything and do something. Stop trying to do everything and do something. And I was in that place. I was doing so much something that I was doing nothing. Honestly, I was doing so, trying to do so many things that God showed me you're not doing anything. Stop trying to win the whole world and win the people right near you. You know why Jesus says in this parable to love your neighbor? Because we need to learn to love and work on the people who are closest to us. Now, I'm not even talking about family. I'm talking about neighbor means the person next to you. So it's not just when you're at your house and you got a house on each side or an apartment complex where there's doors all around. Those are your neighbors, but your neighbor is that person who's next to you at the store, at, line in the, at the line in the bank, at the, at the park. Everywhere you go, at work, that coworker next to you is your neighbor, whoever's closest to you. God says, I want you to love that person. And so we continue to read on and see what this man did. This man did more than just assess the need and say, man, here's, here's a dollar. Here's, here's some food. And that's good. Thank God for that. If you saw someone that needed some food and gave it to him, saw someone who was asking for some money, that's fine. He, he, he did more. He said, I want to do more than just talk about this. I want to show. And so look, look at 20, 34, sorry. He went to him bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So, now watch this. He says, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. See how the man had a revelation? He, he started off by, by just knowing that we have to love our neighbor. And by the end of talking to Jesus, he knew that what he needed to do was show mercy. Mercy. Does anybody in this place need some more mercy? Amen? The, the thing that we have to fight the most as believers, maybe you've been saved six months or you've been saved 60 years. However long you've been saved, I'm telling you, as a believer, we have to fight this all the time. We have to fight self-righteousness. We have to fight self-justification. We have to fight the, 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 the flesh that wants us to forget who we were. Before we met Jesus. Come on somebody. We get so, this is, the, this is the battle. This is the balance. Okay, this is the balance of the gospel. That God wants us to come together like this. Don't ever forget that this is a command of God as well. Just like he said in Matthew 28, go into the world and preach the gospel. The Bible also says in Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembling together. So this is something God commands us to do. 
and wants us to do. He wants us to come into church. He wants us to worship together. He wants us to praise together. But we cannot lose track of why we're here. Okay? We cannot lose track of the reason we come. We cannot just get so caught up in just coming to church and just saying, hey, you know, let, me, let, me, let me check that off on my list. I went to church. That's religious. We, we need to get to a place where we come and we have in our spirit an attitude that says, God, I need you to challenge me this morning. My flesh is weak. My flesh doesn't want to do anything for you, but my spirit is willing. And God, when I leave this service this morning, I want to have a compassion. I want to have a desire. I want to have a, a, a want to do something for the kingdom of God. I'm going to lay down my flesh right now, and I want you to challenge my heart this morning. And I want to think about people and care about people like you care about people. I I want to love people like you love people. I want to treat people like you treat people. But that is contrary to who we are in the flesh. That's why Paul said, walk in the spirit so you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's why we need praise and worship. That's why we need prayer. That's why we need to get in the word so that our hearts can stay softened. So God can say, hey, on our hearts, go talk to that person. Hey, there's a need right there. Go meet it. Now, there, there are monetary things on that list. There are things like going through a drive-thru and paying for the person behind you. There are things like putting a $5 bill on the gas tank, on the gas station where someone's going to come get gas. That's a great one, by the way. That's a wonderful one. I'm going to do that for sure. That's a wonderful one. I've never met a person who would walk up to a gas station and see $5 there and not get excited. Amen. Now they might not put it in their gas tank, but that's all right. That was the idea. Amen. So there's things that we do and we're fighting against our flesh and what our flesh wants to do. And we're making a statement, God, use me, speak to me. But outside of monetary things, you know what's even better than monetary things? Looking someone in their eyes and listening. You know, there's a lot of people that talk, want to talk. They've got problems. They've got issues. And they need someone just to talk to. They need someone that will just listen to their, and you know what, a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, and we're all guilty of this, we want to give them a solution real quick. We want to throw Jesus in there real quick. Wait a minute. Let them get their, their stuff out first. Let them, let them desogarse. Let them, let them, I can't think of that word in English. Um, let them get, let them uh, air, vent it out. Thank you. Let them air it out. Let them vent it out. Let them, let them get it off their chest. And then, get, then give them Jesus. I'm telling you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? People have problems, and sometimes when you just talk it out, you feel better. And so it's not just the doing of the thing. Sometimes it's just looking someone in their eyes and showing them, hey, what can I pray for you for? What, what, can, what are you going through? How can I help you? It's just making yourself available. Available. Amen? And so we see this man do these things. He pays the two denarii. He says, when I come back, I'll repay you. He asks this question, and Jesus says, the man says, he showed mercy on him. And then as we begin to close here, Jesus says these words to us, to this man. He says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Okay? How many have needs in here this morning? Let me see your hands. You've got needs. Physical spiritual, financial, we're all needy. We're all needy. But here's the thing, we have Jesus. How many people you think outside of these walls have needs but don't have Jesus? Jesus is the answer. We might have needs, but we have Jesus. So what we do is we put our needs aside 
and we make sure we make Jesus available. So, I mean, think about that. Someone starts to talk to you about their problems. Holy Spirit's talking to you. Talk to this person. Share your faith with this person. Love on this person. And they begin to say, um, now watch, watch, this will happen. Be careful. You won't notice it. But they'll begin to say, man, I'm having, like a, I'm having some marital problems right now. And, and you'll be like, yeah, me too. Yeah, you should, and you'll start interjecting yours. You'll try to compare. Well, mine's worse than yours, man. I mean, you don't know it, but all of a sudden you start comparing problems if you're not careful. And, and, and they start, when, man, I haven't, man, my car broke down. Oh, shoot, I got two cars that are broken down, you know. And you just throw those things in there, and God is trying to get this person to open up to you so you can give them the solution of Jesus. But all of a sudden your flesh wants to compete. Put your problems aside. This Samaritan, let me tell you something, just being a Samaritan, he had problems. He woke up with problems every day. He was an outcast. They were looked down on. He was socially non-acceptable. And so he woke up with problems. So what he did when he saw the need of this man, who was somebody that he might have noticed was better off than him. Think about that for a second. Stop and think about the story. People don't rob people who don't have nothing. If they see somebody going down the street who, look, who looks better, worse off than them, they're not going to rob them. They're robbing somebody who's got something. And so this man got robbed because he had some possessions on him. They didn't leave him half dead for no reason. He had something. So when this man comes up on him, uh, you know, he probably had some of his clothes torn away. He's bleeding. He's half dead. He doesn't look good. But, he, you know, in our days, he might have had some Jordans on. He might have had some nice, nice shorts or some nice jeans. Might have had a, you know, something, something that showed this man's got some. I'm just trying to make it today. This guy had some, some stuff. And so when the Samaritan comes on him, he could have been like, man, this guy's better off than me being half dead. But he said, I'm going to put my needs aside. Wouldn't it be awesome to know the story of the Samaritan? Wouldn't it be awesome to know what he woke up with that morning? That morning? Maybe the Samaritan woke up that morning with a, ch- with a sick child at his house. Maybe that Samaritan was on his way to the pharmacy to get some medicine for his own child. Maybe that, fa- that, that Samaritan was divorced. Maybe that Samaritan was widowed. Maybe that Samaritan had lost his job. We don't know anything about that Samaritan, but this is what we do know. That Samaritan said, I'm putting my needs aside, and I'm going to fill a need this morning. I see the need in front of me, and I'm not going to worry about, I'm not going to tell the Lord as he tells me, hey, give that person a $5 bill in the gas tank or gas station, or hey, uh, pay that person behind you in the drive-thru, or, or whatever he tells you to do, or go, go uh, mow your neighbor's lawn, or take a cake over to him, whatever it is. You, we're not going to say, Lord, I, I, I need a cake. I need gas. Come on, somebody. You all understand what I'm saying? God wants us to put our, our, our needs aside. And, and fill a need. And when we do that, see, we don't see, we don't see anything more talked about here as far as, as what happened to this Samaritan. But if he was used by Jesus, that's just enough right there for me. Right? Can we get to a place in our walk with God where it's just enough that Jesus Christ would want to use me? That I don't need anything back from them. I don't need restitution. I don't need payback. I don't need something. I'm not doing it to get something. Let me throw that out there real quick. Somebody give me an amen on that one. We don't do something to get something back. 
We don't do it so that we get a pat on the back. I preached a message one time. We, do, we don't do it for a, for a pat on the back. We do it for a crown. Amen. We're not going to get that crown here on earth. We don't need to publicize to the, to the, let me tell you something, let me throw out another thing. We don't need to publicize to the world what we're doing. We don't need to put it on Facebook. We don't need to Instagram. We just do it to the Lord and let God see it. Amen. And, and so it's not about trying to make the whole world know that we did it. It's about doing it because the Holy Spirit said to do it. And no, when I do something unto the Lord, there's a reward. Amen. There's a great reward. Awesome reward. And beyond the reward, let me tell you this, beyond the reward is getting to heaven and seeing that person saved. Come on. Let's get to that place where better than the crown is to shake that person's hand in heaven. And they say, man, you, you shared the gospel with me. You showed me the gospel. You showed me the gospel. You didn't tell me the gospel. You showed me the gospel. There's an old saying. Now, now we're talking about doing random acts of kindness, okay? There's an old saying that I've heard for years. I did not make it up, but I've quoted it for years. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay? Y'all with me? That sounds very familiar, right? Go into the world, all the world, and preach the gospel. But listen to this. And it says, and whenever necessary, use words. Whenever necessary, use words. That means we preach the gospel with our action, with our love, with our compassion. Don't you want to be able to talk to somebody at work and they just feel from you that it's genuine and it's real and you, you're listening because you don't want anything back. There's no motives. We've got the cure to cancer this morning, church. Come on, somebody. We've got the cure to cancer the spiritual cancer of this world, we have the cure. Don't forget when you walk out of this place that we are royalty. We are children of the living God this morning. Amen. We are men and women who have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he is calling us to share that with other people. Amen. Come on, somebody. We got we to gotta share that with other people. Now, I want to just show you this real quick uh, as I close. This is the last thing I want to say this morning. There's some prophetic meanings in this, in this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. The prophetic meaning of the Samaritan himself is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came on the scene. He saw the need of a lost and dying world. And he became, in his flesh, despised, the Bible says, by all men. He was rejected by all men. He became spiritually a Samaritan, even though he was a Jew. He became that person who nobody wanted and, 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 and became that Samaritan. And listen, the, that certain man from Jericho is you and me. Y'all here? That certain man that, from Jericho that got beat up is you and me. We, we were born into this world beat up. We were born into this world with need. We were born into this world lost. And, and, and we're that man who's laying on the ground half dead and needs help. Okay? The priest and the Levites. This is the hard one here. This is, the, this is where it's going to hit. So I, this is kind of confusing. can be confusing because I just said we're the, we're the man from Jericho. But the priest and the Levites are the Christians today. That just passed by. 
the Christians who, who say they're Christians but don't do anything behind it. We don't want to be that. Okay, and, and I said the whole message, we got to fight that. We have to fight that. We have to fight not being that way. Because inside of us, we all want to just go turn, turn over in the bed and put the covers back over. How many of you this morning want to just turn the covers over? I got one honest person right there. Amen, at least. I got one. He's, I ain't lying. I ain't lying. Amen. And, and it, but, but you didn't. So I'm going to get up. I'm going go, to go to church. And thank God Jesus didn't, didn't stay in heaven. Amen. So then you see, watch this, the oil and the wine. How many remember there that the man got the oil and the wine and poured it on him? That's symbolic of the, of the healing of the wounds of him was symbolic of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. Amen. How many know when God, Jesus uses the parable, he's doing it in the kingdom business. We got to go dive into it more. And we got to see more to it. Amen. And the two denarii is what he paid in full at the cross of Calvary. How many know he paid the price? Amen. He paid the price. Come on, church. He paid the price at Calvary. He said, here's the money for that person's sins. And then if there's any others, it's also future sins. He said, what did he say there at that part? He said, I'm going to leave these two denarii, take care of them. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I sure am thankful for the blood of Jesus. Now, here's the last thought. The N. The N. I-N-N. He was in an N. The N is symbolic of the true church. The true church, the true church that does not turn somebody away because they're too dirty, does not turn someone away because they're too bloody. Can you imagine going to the ER and they say, hey, you got to go to another hospital, you're bleeding too much. Amen. We have to take people just as they are with their problems, with their struggles, with their trials, with their problems, with their sicknesses, with their anger, with their violence, with their addictions. We got to take them, amen, into the inn. And we got to say, God, this is a place of refuge. This is a place of healing. Amen. This morning, listen, church, we don't have it all together. We don't have it all together. We don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. And he has called this to be the end. He has called this to be the place where we can pr bring people in and they can come in however they are. But the church also has to be the place. Listen to this. This is important. You take them in how they are, but doctors don't leave in the ER. They don't leave them how they are. They, they, they heal their wounds. They give them medicine. They clean them up. And they hopefully send them back out better. Amen. We, we, we're going to preach the truth to these people. And the Spirit of God is going to say, this is the sickness in your life. The medicine is the word of God, and they're going to get healed, and they're going to get delivered. Amen? But the church is the end. How many want them to come in, and we'll be the Samaritan. We'll be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Amen? To all the people that we can reach. But we got to remember. Let's stand this morning. we got to remember. we got to remember where we were. we got to remember how much we needed mercy. How much I still need mercy. Mercy, God. Have mercy on me. We can't ever, church, get to the place where we feel like, man, I'm good. 
That's a dangerous place. That's a prideful place. Don't matter how long you've been saved. Don't matter how, how much you've done for the Lord. And I say, Jesus, I need you more today than I did yesterday. I need you more to tomorrow than I did today. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Come in and fill me with that compassion. There's going to be days where you, you're more moved. You're more willing. You're more, you're more in touch. You're more in tune. There's going to be days you don't want to do nothing for God. That's where you got to fight the flesh. And remember, we have a high priest, Jesus Christ. We have an example given to us in Jesus. That even in the garden, he showed his, his, his feelings. Lord, if you can change this. Lord, if you can take this cup, take it from me. Lord, if we can do this different. I, I, I know I quote that a lot, but I'm always reminded of the humanity of Jesus. I'm thankful to know on my bad days when I don't want to help nobody, I don't want to pray for nobody, I don't want to help nobody, tell, tell nobody about it, I don't want to be compassionate, I just want to do my life. When I feel like that, I'm reminded that Jesus felt like that too. Amen. He felt like that too. The Bible says that Jesus went through everything we could possibly go through. There's nothing God doesn't understand. There's nothing God hasn't felt. But he got to that place where he's like, God, let's do something else. And all of a sudden, he kicked in and said, no, 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 no. No flesh. No flesh. Not my will. It's your will be done. That's why we pray. That's why we read the word. That's why we worship. That's why we, like we talked about Wednesday, we stay away from the worldliness. That's why we try to be more like Christ. That's why we, 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 uh, we go and we preach the gospel so that we can be reminded there's a lost and dying world out there that needs hope, that needs Jesus. Amen. Bow your heads if you would, please. Father, thank you for this parable. Thank you for every man and every woman and every teenager that's in this place this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Father, I pray right now as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and, and your spirit is just speaking to people's hearts, God, that you would speak individually to each one of us. Lord, that you would examine our hearts this morning. Lord, that you would look inside and say, son, daughter, I love you just as you are. I died for you just as you are. But I also saved you. I also redeemed you. I also gave you a future and a hope. And I've called you my own. And now, if you know me, Jesus says, if you have accepted me, the Lord says, now I need you to go and be my ambassador. I need you to go and share your faith with somebody else. I need you to go and as the world calls it, pay it forward. Pay it forward to somebody else. Let somebody else know about what God is doing in your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Focus this morning. Focus. Focus on the Holy Spirit. Let Him, let him listen. You know, there's a reason why we bow our eyes, close our, close our eyes, because we're distracted so easy. We need, right now, we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We need to focus. We need to, we need not to think about anything else. And let the whole, because, because distractions come. And, hey, what am I going to eat after this? What do I got to do? What bills do I got to pay? Oh, the devil's good. He'll start talking to you about all kinds of things. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you right now. He wants to get your heart. And the Bible says he wants to grab that heart that sometimes can become hard. 
and he wants to make it a heart of flesh, a heart that he can, he can mold, a heart that he can touch, a heart that he can soften. Right now, you, you, we ask, Lord, that you'd make us that people. Lord, that we would be like that good Samaritan, that we would be like that man who had compassion. And Lord, put his needs aside so that he could see the needs of others. Lord, help us not to be too busy. Help us to, to think about others. Help us, Lord, to, to get beyond the head knowledge of what we know we're supposed to do and do it, Father. In this place, is, as you're listening to the Holy Spirit, how many could be here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you, if you were to die right now and pass into eternity, where would you spend it? Where would you spend eternity, church? That's not, that's not a lifetime. That's eternity. That's countless time we can't even count. We're, we're, we're passing through, the Bible says. This life is short. And, and you might even be here and you might have been coming to church for a long time. Maybe have a head knowledge, but do you know Jesus? Is your name in the book of life this morning? Because the Bible says that Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one goes to heaven. No one gets to the Father except through me. That The world will tell you there's many doors. The Bible says there's one, and it's Jesus. Why can Jesus say that? Because he's the only one who's ever defeated death. No saint, no good person, no, no priest, no pastor, no, no, nobody's ever defeated death but Jesus. That's why he said, I'm the door. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He said, he who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. How many would say, Pastor, I, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this morning. I need to be born again. I need salvation now. I need forgiveness today. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I need him now. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'll tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised. The Bible says life is like a vapor. One day it's here, and the next day it's gone. And I, and I, want, I want to say this this morning. It's been a while since I've said it, but I feel led to say it this morning. If you, as you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I, we, we, we don't realize how quickly things can change in an instant, in a moment you can pass from this life into eternity and if you do not have Jesus Christ in your heart, church, it is forever you know I think a lot of times about 9-11 when people were jumping out of buildings because it was so hot in that building, they were jumping out hundred stories into the air to die because they couldn't stand the heat and, I, and, and the Holy Spirit reminded me, there's no windows in hell to jump out of. It's forever. It's forever. If we reject Jesus, how could God send a loving, how could a loving God send people to hell? God does not send people to hell. We reject Jesus. And that's what will have people in hell. Because they rejected the sacrifice. They rejected the answer. They rejected the door. Twelve years ago, I'm in Costa Rica. 
And one of my basketball teammates at 27 years old was doing an exhibition basketball game. Great health, 27 years old. They passed him a ball at a high school in front of hundreds of kids. And as he went to catch the ball, he dropped dead of a heart attack. Right there in that school, right there in front of hundreds of people at 27 years old. Passed into eternity. What, 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 what would happen if tomorrow something happened and you didn't make that decision today? The last thing I want to say before we pray is what we do a lot of times is we say, Lord, I, I need to go get some stuff together. I need to go get some things right. There's some things I need to fix. That's what the devil will tell you. You're too messed up. You, you need, you know, you got to go clean yourself up. God says, come as you are. I want you just as you are. God will clean you up. So today you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I'm going to believe today that you are going to change my life. And you are going to, you're going to raise me from the dead spiritually. Right before we do this, how many more could say, you maybe didn't raise your hand, but right now something is pricking you in your heart and you need to say that prayer, God bless you. I need to know now that I'm saved. Maybe you're here this morning and at some point in your life you said a sinner's prayer you, and you believed it. But today you are not living a life that God wants you to live. The world is pulling you back. Amen, I see your hand. God is pulling you in, but the world's pulling you out. And there's a battle in your soul right now. And you need to come home. How many can say, that's me? I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. The Bible says that God would go after that one that was lost. You leave the 99 and pull them back in. So right before we sing, I want to ask one more thing. If you raised your hand and you meant that, and you're serious. This is serious business. More serious than anything we could ever do in our lives. If you raised your hand and you meant it, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come down here to this altar. And I want to pray with you this morning. Just come quickly. Amen. Step out. Step out and come down. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Other hands were raised. Come on. Just come stand here this morning. Let's, let's, let's pray. I'm going to wait just a second. I, I, I saw some other hands. I don't want to point you out. I don't want to embarrass you. But listen, I cannot say this enough. I cannot say this. And I'm going to quote the Bible. I don't care how churches do things. I'm going to quote the Bible. Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father that is in heaven. But if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father that is in heaven. I don't know any other way to take that. So it, the reason we do a public confession of faith is not for us to go, oh, there's a big old sinner. Because if we have that attitude, that's a problem anyways. We're the big old sinner. And anybody who's saved in this place has done that. Now, people will say, oh, I can make the prayer at my chair. That's fine. But my problem with that is if you can't stand before people in church, how are you going to stand for God outside of this building? That's my problem. That's my fear for you. I want you to. I want to start you off, set you up to succeed, not to fail. So I'm going to wait five more seconds. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand. 
you're like, I got to go. I've got to be down there right now. I've got to make a public confession of my faith right now. I've got I've to let the world know I'm giving my life to Jesus. How many more? How many more? I need Jesus. I need Jesus right now. How many of you all over this place this morning have done this? What, I, what we're doing right now. Look at the hands. All of us. We've done it. I am. Listen. I know I don't have it all together, but I am not ashamed of Jesus. I'll tell the whole world. I'll tell anybody. Jesus is the answer. We've got to get that boldness. Stop being so ashamed. Stop being so afraid. Stop caring what people think. The world don't care what you think. Let's be bold with our faith. And let's tell people in love, Jesus is the answer. Jesus changed my life. He can change yours. He's hope for you this morning. Amen. Now, if you pass away, God forbid, tomorrow, I'm not guilty. We've done our part to present Jesus Christ to you. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. All over this place, we're going to say this out loud, a biblical salvation prayer. And I want you that's here to repeat this after me. And here's what the Bible says is going to happen when you say this prayer. The Bible says that everything you've ever done is going to be forgiven. The Bible says that your sins will be as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says that you'll become a new creation and all the old things of your past life will become new. That's what the Bible says. And then another thing the Bible says is that the spirit that is within you will bear witness that you're a child of God. You're going to have something inside of you that's going to say, I am accepted. Don't you know that the world is looking for acceptance? Everybody wants to be accepted. Let's be accepted by God. That's, that's what matters. So let's say this together. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I love you. I want to know you personally. Father, through your word, I understand that I'm a sinner. Separated from you because of my sin. I ask you right now to forgive me for all of my sins. I believe that without you, I am destined for hell. Destined for eternity. Separated from God. Because that's what your word says. But Jesus, your word also says that you came down from heaven to become the sacrifice for my sin. To pay my price on the cross after living a perfect life. Jesus, I believe in my heart. You died on the cross for all my sins. And then you rose from the dead and conquered death. I believe that and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Master. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to learn to love you. Jesus, by your mercy and your grace, I am saved. I am accepted. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, the Bible says angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Amen. Angels are rejoicing in heaven right now, buddy. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Angels are rejoicing in heaven right now.
you guys just stay here. We're going to open up the altars for a minute just to take some time to worship a little bit. And, and just what we do here is we allow the message to sink in. We just, you can begin to come if you want already. It's fine. Um, as they begin to sing, this